welcome to the podcast. My name is James Sanders. They also call me Mr. Crit. And tonight uh, we're going to talk a little bit about pay lake fishing. Mm. Uh, it's kind of an introductory podcast about pay lake fishing. Uh, don't know for those that like to carp fish and maybe haven't spent a lot of time going to pay lakes. This might be a podcast you would enjoy. True. I guess some people don't even know pay lakes are a thing. That's true. And in, in some people, when they think of a pay lake, they think of just going to a pay lake, you know, going catfishing or whatever it is. Right. Maybe catching a few, you know, little fish and having a little bit of fun and going home. But there's another more sporty side to pay lake fishing, especially if you're from the part of the country, part of the U.S. where I'm from. Oh, yeah. And we live in South Carolina, and in South Carolina, especially Gaffney, South Carolina. For those that don't know where Gaffney is, if you look at a postcard for South Carolina and you see the peach postcard, Andy McDowell, the actress, right, is from Gaffney. They made the movie, or a big portion of it, I think, The Abyss in Gaffney. That's exciting. It's not too far from Kings Mountain or Cowpens, if you've heard of the Battle of Cowpens. That's, you know, right there outside of Gaffney. And Lake Lure is not that far where they made Dirty Dancing. Ooh, very nice. Yes, and the House of Cards show, a lot of that. Kevin Spacey, uh, one of the lead actors in that series, at least for a while, was, um, it showed he was playing a part as if he were, you know, from Gaffney. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so there's a lot, you know, Gaffney is an interesting place. I mean, and, and we're talking about Gaffney because Gaffney is is a unique place. Uh, and by that, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, good-natured country people there. Very friendly place. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's um, right there off 85. If you go through the upper state of South Carolina, you would probably pass through Gaffney. But Gaffney also has an unusual number, you know, of pay lakes. A lot. A lot more than most places. Oh, yes. Like, and if not right in Gaffney, right around Gaffney. I mean, there's a lot that have closed down over the years because I don't think pay lake fishing, well, well, I don't think it's as popular as it used to be. Right. At one time, because it is, well, it can be depending on what kind of pay lake fishing you do, a little bit pricey. Yeah, it can get pretty pricey. We've seen days where it's like not really worth going, and I think that's turned a lot of people down from it. Right, right. And some of the lakes are run better than others. Some of the lakes are very well run, some maybe not so much. Yeah, we've had some where it's like oh, the sign, the numbers for the spots are kind of, they're not even there. It's just like a crooked post. Yeah. And some are just perfect, pristine, crispy letters. And you're like, that's a nice <laughs> sign. Yeah. Some of the lakes really, you could tell they spend a lot of time doing it right. Yeah. And some of them, not so much. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, when we when we go to pay lake fishing, and there's different kinds of pay lake. You can go fishing for trout. Some lakes, uh, pay lakes, they fish for catfish. Right. Some carp. Some, you can go brim fishing, whatever. There's all sorts of different pay lakes in different parts of the country, I'm sure. I don't, you know, I've not been to them all. But in this part of the country, in the southeastern United States, especially around Gaffney, Rutherford County in in North Carolina, you know, Blacksburg, South Carolina, 
You know, the upper state portions of the Carolinas into Tennessee, there are a lot of Pay Lakes. And there's some in Virginia and Georgia and this and the other. And Pay Lakes, um, it's, you know, for people that have never been, it can be a little intimidating if you like to carp fish specifically in these Pay Lakes. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, even just some of the people, I mean, they're nice enough, but some of them, they it's like a real serious deal for them. You know, they take right. it very seriously. Right. So if you if if you keep up with carp fishing, you know, there's some big name carp fishing, you know, people all over the world, like for example, um Nash, what I don't know his whole name, I don't keep up with him, but there's like Nash baits or tackle or whatever it is, and then there's others. I mean, there's lots of other different big names in carp fishing. Oh, yeah. These tournament names, these people that have held, but a lot of people don't realize now, for example, you know, when people carp fish, you've got your common carp, you know, people, you know, you've got Asian carp. We don't usually fish for Asian carp around here, but that is a type of carp. And then we also have buffalo, buffalo carp. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know about in other parts of the world, but where I live, buffalo carp, which is actually, I think, part of the Brim family, is, is, uh, is still... Very similar, and we call it a buffalo carp. It's a, like a bluish-colored carp, and um, and they bite similar to what you know a common carp would would bite. So the baits can be a little different, but they will bite the same stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So and, we've had it. Well, sometimes we'll catch a buffalo carp. It's not very often. A lot less common than right. Common carp is the name. So there you go. Yeah, bu- buffalo a little harder to come by now. There are a few lakes around here and different rivers that have more buffalo carp in them. But when you go to these pay lakes, if you're a carp fisherman in this part of the country and you want to catch, um, you know, a carp out of a pay lake, you know, you might, some lakes have buffalo, some just have common carp and this, that, and the other. And there's different types of common, you know, you got your mirror carp, your leatherbacks and all these different kinds that they have. You know, they're they're a little bit different, you know, decoration or or scale design. Right, yeah. But but nonetheless, some of these lakes really get into some heavy duty tournament fishing. Oh yeah. And and when you go out there, it can be a little intimidating the first time you go out because like I was saying, there's other people in the world that are big name carp fishermen that have fished professional tournaments for carp that are, you know, big names, caught some really big carp. Now, you got to keep in mind when those people go fish some of these places, some of the lakes that, that, you know, stock carp and breed carp or they kind of farm them to some degree, you kind of have an idea about how big the biggest fish are in the the lake. And some you don't, depending on where you're going. Now, some places you go, you don't have no idea what size fish are actually in there. Now, a lot of these pay lakes have been fished enough over the years that people generally know what the biggest fish in the lake are, right? Yeah. What's not? They got a general idea. Yeah, most of the time you can probably talk to the guy in charge, talk to him for a second. Somebody that's there, they'll know. Oh, the other day I was here and Jimmy caught a thirty-five pounder, biggest one we've ever caught. And you're like, oh, there you go. Right, right. And when people come and stock them, they they do see some of the bigger ones that get put in there. Right. And so they have a really good feel for what's there. A lot of the local fishermen that fish these lakes over and over, they have a good feel for what's there. Now. A lot of people don't realize when we're talking about buffalo carp. Um, now, I'm sure it's not the world record now, but at one time, Tony Crawford, who was 
from the Shelby Blacksburg area outside of Gaffney caught the world record buffalo carp. It was 88 pounds at the time. That's a big fish. Big fish. And he actually took part of his winnings or his prize money or whatever it was that he got for catching that fish. And he started um, a lake, a carp lake there in Blacksburg, South Carolina. And and eventually he sold that off and he went to Shelby and started, you know, him and his brother Midway and Midway 2 carp lakes, which are not far from the Gaffney area. Because... Like I said, in Gaffney, there are a lot of different lakes. I mean, man, I could sit here and go through them all. You know, we've got one of the oldest carp lakes in the southeastern United States. It's been around for about 51 or 52 years, maybe. It's Perry's Fishing Perry, Lake. Yeah, Perry's, it looks a little old sometimes, but it's a good lake. And it may have even been around longer. Uh, but I know that old man Perry, who passed away in 2021, I believe, in February of this year, I think, think somewhere in that range i think he had run that lake for like 50 years or, yeah. or close to it now i think his son runs it now but he's um he was always everybody called him june bug he was a super excellent nice wonderful guy yeah i mean you couldn't have met a better guy i mean he was just a super good guy when i would go down there and fish sometime he'd spend a lot of time he'd chat with me and ask me how i was doing and we'd talk about carp fishing and Sometimes he'd ride around on his golf cart around the lake. He liked to ride around. He'd come by and sit and ask me if I'm catching anything, and, and we would talk about bait. He would tell me about, you know, him starting the carp lake, and, you know, back when he was in the military, he got out, and he started this carp lake out here in Gaffney. And I always enjoyed talking to him. And every time I went to the lake there at Perry's and fished, which is where I started fishing for carp in a pay lake, you know, the very first time was in Perry's. Huh. And I, and I went there, and I was I remember I was pretty young, I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was, you know, middle teens, I was 14, 15, whatever it was. And I, you know, you look around this lake and all these people have these really high dollar reels. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do. They take it seriously down there. Yeah. They have these huge, like sometimes people will get so serious. I mean, they, they'll change the color of their line because it's too bright outside. You got to oh, yeah. have the special reels and the really nice rods, the long handles, you know, perfect, like balance of, you know line weight, how much line you have it. They take it so seriously. Oh, they, they take it crazy. And you know, I was mentioning about Nashanam, but what I, what I was getting at that I, I keep forgetting to mention, you know, you don't hear about these names of these carp fishermen down at these pay lakes. You don't hear about them. You don't, they don't get big advertisements. They don't get, you know, people don't sponsor them. But in some of these carp lakes are some real professional carp fishermen. Yeah. I mean, they really are. I mean, now granted, there's a lot of good carp fishermen all over the world, but in this little cluster of carp lakes there around Gaffney, South Carolina, you know, those guys are no joke. Yeah. I mean, some of them, now some of them just go occasionally and all this, but some of them really are, they're really good. Oh yeah. I mean, for real, you'll hear them, you know, when their lines go out or they're checking their bait, you'll hear them shoot. Whipping that line up the water, man, oh, just yeah. laying it. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's it's a real it's a real sport to them. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. And and sometimes there's a good bit of money, you know, at some of these carp lakes that they, you know, they have these little in-house tournaments, you know, that they do. Oh yeah, you can win a good bit of money carp fishing. You yeah. can also lose a good bit of money though. Right. Yeah. And and so we <laughs> we wouldn't recommend entering one of the tournaments. Yeah. Unless. You know, you just had some money to lose. Yeah, I wouldn't plan your uh, 
your job to be winning carp tournaments. That's probably not going to happen. No. That's no. like betting you're going to win the slots every day. <laughs> right. But it's, but you, you know, keep in mind that a lot of these carp lakes, they have, you know, fish for fun days. Oh, yeah. Well, what did we go for the other day? Like $20 or something? It was yeah. like really yeah. cheap for a spot. It's not much. No. And you can go fish and have a good time. You don't have to bet money. Yeah. But some of these carp lakes do, and they do it up into the thousands of dollars. And some as little as you can go for 40 or 50 bucks and, and fish a small tournament. But some of them, it can get very expensive. And and like I said, wouldn't recommend that. Um, we, we like to go when they fish for fun. Oh, yeah. And if you're just starting out carp fishing, it's probably better to do that anyways because sometimes on the fun fishing days, there's really not a ton of people there. So it's a right. lot less pressure if you're getting started if you sling your bait off 40 times, they'd yes. probably not be so crazy about it. It can be a little intimidating if you're new to carp fishing and you go to a pay lake and they're picking spots, which is what they do. Oh, yeah. On a tournament night and the lake is packed and you've got somebody sitting six foot to your right and six foot to your left and the whole lake's filled up and you've got to lay your line just between two buoys. Oh, yeah. And you got these new carp fishing reels, which, of course, don't throw like any other reel you've ever thrown. <laughs> And you've got to hit between these like twelve feet you got. So good luck. Yeah, it it takes it's it takes practice and and you've got to build up your comfort level. Yeah. And, but like I said, the first time I was at Perry's and I had ever fished when I was a kid there, everybody had these fancy reels and I had a, a cheap little Zebco. Nice. And I hung a big old car. And he, you know, with that little old Zebco, that's when I realized I was out of my depth, you know, gear wise. And that carp took off down the lake and wrapped up about, you know, half a dozen fishermen's lines down <laughs> through there. But they they saw a kid out there having a good time, and they didn't get upset. You know, we got it all sorted out. I didn't catch the fish, but I had a great run. It was fun, and that got me hooked on carp fishing. Yeah. And, and, and then I realized, too, at the same time, I got to get better gear. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, it is, yeah, it's a little bit about gear. You, mm -hmm. you can't go in completely unprepared, otherwise – you're not going to have a great time, but you don't need like $150 reels mm -hmm. on every rod and perfect gear. You don't need all that. You can get, you can get by with pretty decent stuff. Yeah. A lot of people go down there and they'll get a pretty decent, you know, seven, seven and a half foot rod and they'll get an open face, which is yeah. a lot more forgiving. Yeah. How about we, we've caught some carp on uh, like a $20 Walmart Yes. Open face reel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the best in the world, but if you don't want to spend all the money on the carp fishing tackle that right. the professionals use, perfectly okay to use that. Exactly. Perfect. It is perfectly okay. The only thing you got to be careful of, and I had mentioned this in the previous podcast, when you get into, like, I hung a, that 32 or so pounder down there at the river. Right. Down there at, um, uh, what is this over here? I was talking about the... Uh, um, Lawson's Fork. Lawson's Fork, right. And I had a $10 open face to catch that carp on there. But okay. at the same time, the reel was very small, not a lot of line, but it couldn't go very far because the bank was just, you know, 20, 30 foot away. Right. You know, whatever it was. It was pretty narrow. If that had been a large open body of water, like a pretty good sized pond or a lake, he would have probably just ran off my line. For sure. And I would have lost him. I wouldn't have caught that fish. Even if it was, I mean, the reel could handle it drag wise. But it couldn't have handled it spool capacity-wise. Oh, yeah. That's impossible for that little thing. Yeah. If he had taken turned around and took off, I would have lost the fish. Oh, yeah. No question. Oh, yeah. Keep in mind, too, you, when you put a higher pound test, which tends to happen when you're 
fishing for bigger fish. I mean, it's not like you went brim fishing. You had, you know, eight pound test and you were like, cool. It's there's a lot of line on here. You put right. 15 pound test on there. You're not getting as much on your reel. Right. Exactly. So it, it does matter. Spool capacity matters for sure. Okay. So that's why a lot of these people that go to these carp lakes, they use heavier open face reels or heavier duty ambassador type C4 model, maybe, or C3s, um, bait casting reels. Right. Yeah. Because of the, uh, the ball bearing drag system and the little bit wider spool capacity. Right. They get the extra line, they get the smoother drag. And if you'll notice over in Europe, um, some people use, like in Great Britain, for example, some of them use rod length that is, you know, nine, 10 foot long versus in America, it's a little bit different here. A lot of them use seven, seven and a half foot. And the reason for that is in America, people are more interested in the, or at least based on what I've seen, the smoother, smoother drags. It's not that you can't get a smooth drag off open base. You can but in other parts of the world, the longer rod length gives you more bounce when the carp is near the bank and he, he takes off for that last run. The rod will flex much further, right? allowing you to keep him from snapping your line. Yeah, okay. It's got all that additional give right? because yeah. of the length of the rod. And and so that's that's something that I see a lot of them using, which is nothing wrong with that, but I, but I do see it. These Pay Lake fishermen and these carp lakes, they really do. Now, like you said, you can fish with just about anything, really, and catch fish. Don't get me wrong. But some of them really do go all out. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got heavy-duty nets. They got these little um, the little carry-alls they put their fish in. What is that called? The the caddy? Oh, the, yeah, the carp, carp caddy. Yeah, Carp caddy. They sell those around here. What that is is a um, um, like a... A tube with a handle on it, two handles on it, yeah, made out of plastic, really. It's been molded. Mm-hmm. And you kind of scoop the carp up in it, and it keeps the carp from beating up himself. There's no nets pressing against him. It's more self-contained. It keeps you cleaner. Yeah. And you can slide him into the scales if you need to weigh the fish without right. hurting the fish. Yep. It's a much safer for the fish and for you. Yeah. And then as soon as you're done, you can slide him back into water, and he doesn't get snagged on you know, nets and lines and all yep. that stuff. And people use different types of things to protect the fish. Some people, you'll see them, they have things made out of padding, cloth. There's there's other things. Some probably more effective, but that's one way you'll see a lot of people doing that here. Yeah, and yet some people really, I think, in here at least, they tend to take pretty good care of the fish as much as they can. Not always, but yeah. for the most part, they tend to do a pretty good job. So it's a pretty... If you're looking for a sport that's not necessarily harmful to the animals or something like that, it's a pretty good sport for that. Yeah, it is. The only time I ever see them getting uh, – the really the only real issue at the Pay Lakes that I've noticed is sometimes their mouth from getting hooked. More right. than, you know, several times can cause them to have a place on their mouth. Not a big fan of that, but I don't know that that can be avoided in that environment. Yeah, probably not. But in, in general, the fish get fed very well, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're oh, yeah. big enough. Yeah, they get plenty of food, that's for sure. But um, but the carp fishermen at these pay lakes take it very seriously. A lot of them do. They yep. so Now, I will tell you this. The atmosphere and just generally sitting around the carp lake, if you like talking about carp fishing, and you can't beat the pay lakes in the southeastern yeah. United States because the people around there, they're all there doing the same thing as you. Right. And they all love talking about 
their reels, the nets, the fish, the bait. Oh, yeah. They love talking bait. Oh, yeah. People will recommend, oh, you got to use grape. You got to use cinnamon. You'll try it out. It will do nothing. That's about how it goes. Right. That's that's exactly the way it, it is. You know, and, and the bait, if you love to carp fish, is, is a big part of the, the fun. Oh, yeah. Is finding the right recipe or the right base or the right flavor or the right pickup. You know, not to mention presentation. You oh, know, yeah. Having better gear helps a great deal as far as being able to reel in those fish and you'll catch more fish. Right. But when you get into catching a lot of carp, bigger carp, I mean, you got to pay attention to not just your presentation and your bait, but then your hooks matter. Oh, yeah. You oh, want, my goodness. Yeah. You got to have a hook that's, you know, has a, you know, pretty strong, you know, little shank on it or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, it's got to be sharp enough. A lot of people file their hook tips down just to get that perfect tip on it. And then they have to use that, get this, unless they coat it with nail polish you actually, or some kind of coating, you don't want anything that's going to cause it to dull the tip, but they will file the tips down, coat it with like fingernail polish or something to preserve it. But if they're going to use it right away, they'll just file it and use it, but they don't want it to rust and, and dull the tip. Right, yeah. Because setting the hook, you know, if you think about it, you know, we used to have this little thing where if you took your finger and you sat a hook on it, and it was sharp enough that you could turn your your your, your finger almost upside down and the hook would stay stuck, that you could roll it over, they'd say, well, that's a pretty good tip on it. But if your hook fell mm-hmm. off, they said, nah, that's not sharp enough. Huh. And when you are fishing in a tournament setting, I mean, think about it. When you're fishing against people on the lake that are really skilled, at what they do. And they, they are skilled. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could land some fish, but let me tell you what. You see them sometimes, they'll hang more than one. They got one rod and one, and they, they're feeling which one they think's the biggest. They're setting one down in the stand. They're pulling in what they think's the biggest based on feel. They've done it a ton of times. But not only do they use the line that they feel best about, they're using the reels that they feel best about. They're sharpening those hooks. They're getting the really the sharp, the right size. Some people you'll see they use size fours, some sixes, some twos, whatever they want. Right, yeah. But they all have their favorites. Yep. And they're all kind of getting in their zone, and they all have their favorite bait. Oh, yeah. I mean, here at Bait Mix, we certainly love talking bait. And I'm telling you, if you when you go carp fishing at the local lake, public lake, you might go down there with your favorite carp mix or your bait mix, or whatever it is, and try to catch some carp out there. But when you go to these pay lakes, it is it is a constant, ever-changing bait combination. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can have your favorites, but you might go one day and find that you had better luck on strawberry-flavored whatever base you're using, mm-hmm. and then next week you might find you're doing a little bit better on cherry or grape. Oh, yeah. I think we've had times where we went and – we, we kind of did pretty good on one flavor. It may have been orange or something. And then we could try it again next week. Terrible. Didn't yep. catch a single thing. No so, bites, no runs, nothing. Now, here's a couple of stories to consider. I uh, wanted to mention when fishing in a pay lake. The first one is there is a pay, a, a, a pay lake up here outside of Spartanburg, South Carolina called Foster's. Now, I think it's on Foster's Lake Road. And I've been there many times over the years. Right, yeah. And the guy that runs the place, nice guy. Now it's one of those carp lakes where it's got a, it's kind of secluded down a dirt road. It's got a lot of trees around it. Oh yeah. 
It's an if you're if it's if you go there on a day that they fun fish and they do that sometimes during the day on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays during the day. They usually do their tournament fishing at night, but if you can get in there when they're doing just some fun fishing, it's usually not very crowded. They oh, got yeah. some really big carp in there. Yeah, they do. They got some monsters in there, no joke. And the guy, he doesn't, you know, some of these carp lakes, they pay people to supply the fish to their lake. Like they'll go up here to the Chesapeake Bay and get carp, or they'll go down here to one of the rivers in South Carolina and they'll catch carp and bring them out and they sell them by the pound to these lakes. Now, it used to be certain lakes wouldn't pay more than a dollar a pound. And I know I'm going through a lot of information, but in some some lakes nowadays, because it's getting harder and harder to get people to do that reliably, to get those big fish, they're paying two, three dollars a pound. That's pretty good. Yeah. So if you caught one carp out of a river somewhere and you brought it to one of these lakes and you say, Hey, I've got this, you know, I've got a bunch of thirty pound carp. Each one of those carp might be worth eighty to a hundred dollars. That's pretty good, and and that really adds up if you have a truckload of of carp. Oh yeah. But anyway, that's what they do at Foster's. Instead of paying somebody, they have a place, um, and they go catch their own, and they bring them up and put them in their lake. And he's been doing that for a long time. He does it during the off year, off months. He goes and catches them early spring. And brings them and loads up his lake because you do have some natural attrition over time. Yeah. And you have to continually restock the lake. Right. Or at least keep up on it a little bit. That's kind of impressive, though. He goes out and gets his own fish, brings them back. That's yep. cool. They bait up a hole and they go catch them and they load up a truck. They have a big old tank that's aerated and all this and they transport them and put them into the lake safely. Because right. the trick is catching them making sure they don't get too stressed, keeping them safe and healthy, bringing them back and putting them in as easy as possible. Yep. And it saves them a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I bet it does. So when you go to Foster's, it's not super fancy out there. It's an old shack, you know, but it's out there in the woods kind of a little bit. And it's, you know, there's actually hawks and hawk nests. You can see them up there flying around. It's a great little relaxing type lake. Right. Not a lot of pressure here on the easy days. You can go and carp fish for fun. Now, I'll tell you something about Foster's, though, I've caught carp out of every pay lake I've ever been to. And I've always had pretty good success for the most part. But Foster's is the one lake that for the longest time, I had an awful hard time catching fish out of Foster's. And it took me, believe it or not, 10 years to catch a carp out of Foster's. 10 years. Yikes. I can't. I, I never would have dreamed that had been possible. That is a long time to not catch a fish. Yes. A long time. And I'm I'm a pretty good carp fisherman. That's like an unfair amount of time. Like it, it even, is. Even, it's like taking a multiple choice test, guessing on every single one, getting them all wrong. Look, I've gone up there and I've seen everybody and their brother catching fish, and for some reason, Foster's gave me a hard time catching carp. And I would ask people, I'd say, well, "What kind of flavor y'all using?" And they always tried to tell me the same thing: Concord grape. And I'm like, Concord grape, what? And they were like, Well, Concord grape rice or Concord grape oatmeal or i mean they went down you know they had a whole list of things they, but it was always people telling me concord right use concord I, look i tried concord grape everything <laughs> with with no success but i finally finally came across the right bait for fosters and now when i go i do pretty well but for whatever reason the problem that i ran into is i listened to other people yep 
and asked them because they fished there more than me. And I thought, well, but here's what you got to remember about Pelex. They don't always want to tell you what's working. Yeah. Because when they when they go up there and they're betting money, they don't want you to know. Oh, yeah. People that go out there and bet money, <laughs> I mean, if you walk around, they will intentionally cover up their bait, not their bait buckets, not just to keep it fresh, but to keep you from seeing what they're using. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know. No. Now, when you figure it out, now, you can tell other people or not. That's up to you. But if you go there as a regular... Look, they want every advantage they can get. Oh, yeah. Now, some people are really happy to talk about their bait recipes if they're doing well. Some people, not so much. They keep it a, a guarded secret. Yeah. And and it's because they know as long as that bait is working, they might keep winning. Yeah. I mean, well, it makes sense. If there was $1,000 in it for me, I probably wouldn't tell you either. Right, right. Now, when it stops working, they'll go, oh, oh well, yeah, I've yeah, been you using use Concord Grape while you want to. Right, Then right. 10 years later, you're still looking for that fish. Now, we'll tell you, in our podcast coming up, for those that like the Pay Lake-type fishing in this part of the country or just interested in hearing about all that, we will be doing podcasts about some of these lakes in the area and what works and what doesn't. We'll keep you up to date on what's working. And I think you'll find that interesting about where we're sitting, what we're using, kind of presentation, all those type things, pickups. We'll go through all that stuff to help you. And we will talk about gear as we go along. Uh, to give you an idea how important small things can be in these pay lakes, I'm going to give you an example. Um, many years ago, probably, I'm going to say 15 or 16 years ago, there was a carp lake that's still there that's not currently being run. It's called Sportsman's Fishing Lake outside of Calpin, South Carolina. Huh. Now, the guy that runs Sportsman's now is, you know, they're still fishing it, but it's not kept up the same way it used to. They don't run fishing tournaments. There's not open to the public. He's let me fish there a couple of times just because he's a nice guy. But but I, that doesn't mean rush out to his house and bother him. I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> but but he was nice enough to let me go. Um, and I, so I went a time or two after it had been sold, you know, it changed hands. But back in the day, it used to be a, you know, a pay leg. Yeah. And okay. people could go out there and fish. So um, I was out there one day fishing, and we had drawn for we drew for spots. And what they were, I still remember what they were fishing. They were paying the largest on the hour, in two three hour rodeos. So it was about a six or seven hour tournament, roughly. And the rodeo, what that means is, you if you pay the largest on the hour, that means it pays you the largest fish caught on the lake for that hour. Plus, a three hour rodeo means. It pays the largest fish caught within a three-hour group. Okay, okay. So yeah. if it has two three-hour rodeos, that means you, you catch whoever catches the largest the first three hours wins extra money and the biggest in the last three hours. That means if you caught the largest on any hour, you have a shot at that. That's good. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's how it works. And I went down there one night, and this was a packed lake. I believe it was a Friday night. And it was packed. And I mean, there was hardly any spots left on the lake to be had. Wow, yeah. Now, at the time, this was a child-based lake. Mm. Now, when I say child-based, what I'm saying is when you go carp fishing, you know, some people use bullies and they have a fish meal-based bully. Okay, if you're a bully person and you like, which is a great bait, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, or you might have a, a... a bully based on different things, or if you're a pack bait person, 
you might have a base that's trout chow. You might have one that's oats. You might have rice or grits or millet. There's all kinds of different bases. So you've got bases, binders, flavoring, and enhancers. You've got all kinds of different parts of your bait that make it what it is. And then on the, you know, which is packed around the bait. And then on the hook itself, unless you're using a bully, for example, or a pop-up or something like that. I mean, or, or a, um, um, Lord, I can't think right off the top of my head. But anyway, then you've got the presentation. I mean, the pickup bait. Right, yeah. You know, the pickup bait, which is which is usually, if you're using pack bait, for a lot of people in this part of the world, is right on the hook. Yeah. Okay. And around here for pickups, they use, uh, you know, flavored cereal a lot of times. I mean, you yeah. can use corn. You can use fake corn. Some you can actually use a you know boily mixed with pack bait if you really wanted to. Some people sure. do. Yeah, there's really no set rules for carp fishing, right? Uh, yeah. As far as baits concerned, but some have proven to be a little bit more effective than others. I think some flavors tend to be a little better sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and presentation, of course, matters. How you set your hook, type of hook, you know, that it's sharp. You know, all these things play a role. Where you're fishing. Oh, yeah, big time. Location matters, temperature of the water. There's so many different factors that we'll talk about in these podcasts going forward. But around where I live, when you go to these pay lakes, a lot of people use cereal, which is they'll use corn pops. You know, they'll use kicks. Mm -hmm. They'll use, um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Not corn pups, but is it puffs? Yeah, puffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll use puffs, and there's just different things that they use. And they'll flavor these with either syrup or some kind of, you know, liquid flavoring, just enough so that it can get, you know, tacky or hard enough that it can, you know, stay on the hook or rubbery enough. Yeah. But not so dry that it breaks apart trying to put it on the hook. Yeah. You want, imagine your least favorite bowl of cereal. That's what you want to put on the hook. (laughs) Right, right. And one day we went to this, like I was telling you, we were at Sportsman. And it was a packed lake, and it was it was a child-based lake at the time. And I made some cherry. I'll tell you exactly what I used, okay? I used three pounds of, of trout chow at the time. Okay, starter chow made by Purina. Okay, it's usually a number two grade. And I, for those of you who are not familiar with this, I'll be putting up some trout chow on the, the shop connected to Bait Mix. So if you decide you would like to buy it, you don't know where to get it, you'll be able to buy it off of Bait Mix. Okay, so we will be putting that up here in the near future. So I'm going to add a bait section, and you'll be able to go on there and buy different items that you might not be able to get where you are. Um, but for now, you know, you could probably find it online or whatever. And then I put in one can of cream corn. I put in two packs of cherry Kool-Aid and a little chicken scratch. And chicken scratch is basically a ground-up field corn that you get, like, at the feed store. Right, yeah. And we call it chicken scratch or Debbie scratch. And I had mixed this up. I put about a half a pound of Debbie scratch in there or chicken scratch, whatever you want to call it. And I had mixed all this together in a bucket, put a lid on it, let it sit for about 20 minutes. And that's really all I was using. I knew it was a chow, chow lake, and cherry does well in some of these chow lakes. Oh, yeah. I found okay. it to do, you know, pretty well. I mean, you can use anything. You can use strawberry, grape, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But I, I for me, it had done well. Oh, yeah. And uh, now the pickup was the big mystery. I'll tell you what I used for a pickup. I took some um, corn pops, the cereal like you'd buy at the store. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can be any. It can be an off-brand. It doesn't really matter. 
And I'd mixed a little ketchup with it, just enough to coat them very well. And I sat them in the sun for a couple of hours and let, them get, let them get rubbery. Yeah. You know, so when, the, you know, they're kind of tacky and rubbery, let them shrivel up a little bit and they stay on the hook better. Oh, yeah. You know. So I was putting that on the hook and I was packing the bait around it and tossing that out there in my spot. Now, we we had bought two spots. We had four rods. When I say two spots, that means we paid for two people. Right, yeah. And at these carp lakes, when you go to these pay lakes, back in the old days, they only let you fish two reels per person. And then they went to three reels. And then some of the bigger lakes went to four reels to kind of pull people up there into their lake. They wanted to get more people coming in. They thought, well, if they can catch more fish, more rods, we'll get more business. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure that's true. I mean, if your bait stinks, you probably won't catch any fish, no matter how many yeah. rods you got. And if you're just starting out fishing four rods, that might be too much to start with. It, it might be a lot to keep up with. Yeah. Because you don't want it to be a stressful situation. Yeah. But anyway, we down there at the time, we had, it was two rods each, and we had four rods. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened that night just to kind of give you a clue how important the subtle small things are when carp fishing, okay? Nobody was hardly catching a fish on this lake. Nobody except me. And I caught every, I won everything that night but one fish. (laughs) I caught both rodeos, a large on the day, all the hour except for one hour. I caught them all, and I caught a crap ton of other carp that didn't count. Cause they weren't the biggest. Right. Yeah. But I literally caught every carp caught on that lake that night, but one. That's crazy. And here's the kicker. People were sitting left or right of me within five or six feet packed all the way around this lake. And I'm fishing and there's people throwing right beside me, not catching fish, but I'm catching fish all night. As a matter of fact, we started out with four rods. I eventually went to two, even though we paid for the other two, I was like, I couldn't keep them in the water. <laughs> I'd be turning around, baiting up my hook, and my rod was standing straight up. It was gone. It, they were ripping it out of the stands. It was just an incredible, busy night. And people were looking at me, and I was going up to the scales and weighing them and scales and weighing them, and they were like, what in the world is going on down there? He's <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah, he's like, they're like, what the heck? And they saw I was using chow. They couldn't figure out why I was catching so many fish that day. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, I mean, I've had days like that and I was just, I was ripping them. I mean, we were catching fish left and right. Well, there was only one subtle difference that the lake didn't know about between me and the rest of the lake. Only one difference between my bait and most of the other people. They had good bait, good fishermen, good pickups. Everything was the same except for one ingredient, one ingredient. I was spraying my pickups before I packed my bait around it with cherry throat spray. <laughs> like you would buy if you catch cold and your throat's sore, you go to the dollar store or the drug store and buy cherry throat spray. That's what I was using. That's crazy. And the carp were tearing it up. They loved it. That's I don't know why funny. they liked it, but they yeah. did, yeah. They tore it up because something like that, they don't always like it, but when they do, it doesn't take much to make a huge difference. It is very strange how particular they are. I mean, yes. it, it can be anything. Yes. Like you could go, oh, well, blue raspberry wasn't working, but blue, blue, the flavor, that was working. So, <laughs> Right. Now, I went down to Perry's one night. I'll tell you a story. In Perry's, like I said, I've fished there a lot over the years. And there are a lot of really good fishermen in Perry's. 
And Perry's is one of those carp lakes that you can you can feel good about it when you go there. Some I'll tell you this before I get into this story. A lot of these carp lakes, some of them are very legit, good, honest, decent people. I would say that's the majority. Yeah, yeah. There are a few exceptions. Of course. Okay. Now, you can't make a carp jump on your hook and bite it, but you can give people an, an advantage that's unfair. Yeah. Um, and by, and I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't let this stop me from going, but I'll get into this in just a second. Some of these carp lakes have what they call in-house fishermen. Right. Now, an in-house fisherman is somebody that the ownership lets fish for free in most cases. And the ownership, if they win, will split the winnings to make extra money for the house. And they will give that fisherman inside information, like the type of bait and flavor to use, where to sit. You know, and these type of things, they give them that information because they're there all the time and they see what's working. Right, yeah. They, they know. So, and they'll also let them come in and try it out on off hours. Well, that's nice. To bait up their holes and stuff like that. So it's a big advantage. Yeah. And when you consider somebody shows up to the lake that doesn't know, hasn't fished there, doesn't know where the best spots are. I mean, basically, you're fishing against the house then. Yeah. Because the odds of you winning, I've seen it happen. I've seen people beat the house when they've got, you know, fishermen like that, that they've got in-house fishermen. But it's it's hard to do. Yeah. But now you can still do it because you got to remember, some of these guys on the lake, they are professionals. Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys are the real deal with Bill McNeil. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. But it's it's harder. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It can be a little bit unfair sometimes when you feel like you're fishing against the house. You're not having a great time. Yes. You know, you've been put in an unfair advantage and nobody really likes that. Right. So what I tell you to do when you go to a pay lake for the first time, definitely go on a fun day. Don't spend a lot of money. Try it out. Get a feel for it. See if you like it. Yeah. You know, see. Maybe talk to the owner. Talk to the people that work there. You know. Ask the people that are out there fishing and that are not catching anything. Yeah. Have you been here for a while? You know, are, yeah. do you think the lake's pretty pretty fair? Is it pretty straight and there? What think about in-house fishermen here? See what they say. Yeah. I don't know if I would ask the guy catching all the fish. No, I that wouldn't ask him. That might be a bad choice. Because <laughs> he might be legit, but you you don't really know. Yeah, he's caught 100 fish today. He's like, it's a great lake. I love it here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but I will say this. When I say that, I don't mean to think that all the lakes are bad. Because like, oh, that's yeah. not true. Yeah. The majority are very square. Right. And and they don't they do not do that. But there are a few. I've seen a few. Oh, yeah. But they're far and few in between, but they do happen. Yep. So what I'm telling you is just keep an eye out for that. Yeah. You know? But anyway, I was I was at Perry's one day. And I was over there. Actually, two things. I was at Perry's one day. This is this is how important it is to fish the same bait. I had brought a vanilla chow to Perry's one day, and I was fishing on the backside. And there was people all around. Big tournament night. And and I I like I always like vanilla flavored carp bait, but you know it's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes it can do well. Sometimes not well at all. But I used it a lot when I was younger. And so kind of a nostalgic reason I decided to make some vanilla chow that day. Yeah. And so I was out there fishing it, and I didn't really get any bites, but I was fishing the same spot pretty good. And I'll tell you why in a minute, and I'll get to that. Um, and what happened was I was getting tired. I had been up all day. It was a long day. 
Yeah. And I told my buddies that were sitting next to me, hey, you can have this bait. I've been fishing right out here. I showed them where I was fishing. It was they, And I told them they could have my spot. And I left, and uh, I hadn't caught anything. I didn't think I was going. It was about two hours left. Yeah. And so I come back a few days later, and I saw those guys on the lake. And I said, hey, guys, how's it going? And they said, hey, man, thank you for that bait. That was awesome. And I was like, what do you mean? They said, yeah, you gave me that bait. We fished in your spot. We caught the top two large on the day when you left. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, that kind of figure. So they, it really paid off, and I'll tell you why it paid off. Sometimes if your bait's not the best, but it's pretty good, maybe not the you know the bait, the optimal bait for that lake or the best flavor at the moment. I saw a guy at Perry's one day fishing, carp fishing. And I was watching him, and I was sitting there talking to him. Actually, I pulled up behind him and got out, and I was just chatting with him. We, and we started talking, and we got to talking for about three or four hours And while he was fishing. you know, He was a yeah. really good-natured guy, super good guy. And he has fished at Perry's a lot as well. And you could see him. He was really good. Some people are really good at this. He would throw his line, because they got ropes in the middle to keep people from going to the other side. Right, yeah. You have to stop short so you don't cross lines with people. Yeah. You know. And you've got places you're supposed to fish. If somebody's beside you, they give you a little idea where you're supposed to go. Right, yeah. And he was laying his bait exactly in the same spot all day. Wow. And he had been fishing since sometime. It used to be in Perry's in the old days. They would fish from like 8 to 4 or 8 to 5. And then they'd do tournaments from like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Wow. So it was a big day of car fishing. You could fish literally all day. All day. So he would come out there in the morning. He would try to get that spot. He knew he was going to try to get at night. And now you have to pick spots, so it's not guaranteed. But what he was doing is he had been chucking bait. Now, you cannot bait up a hole in these pay lakes. It's against the rules. And otherwise, you can't use floating bait. And you can't use... And that means bait that floats to the top of the water. Now, it's okay if some particles float up there, but you can't just use a floating Floating bait. Yeah. And you can't bait up a hole like you can't sit there and just chuck bait all day until you put like a, you know, a trash can full out there. Yeah, Yeah, they won't let you do that. But you can bait it up over time by fishing in it. That's perfectly okay. And what he was doing, he'd come out there early. He had paid his way in early. Now, that was during the day was one of the cheaper times of day to fish for fun, mainly. Right. And he was baiting that hole up over time, which was legal. Yeah. All day. And then in that night, he had paid to fish, and he tried to get that spot. He got lucky on the draw because they let you, you know, draw numbers. And he got got lucky to get an, an early number, and he got his spot. So he went back and sat in the same spot he had fished early that morning, and he was tearing them up. Wow. And and the reason he was tearing them up is because he was still fishing that same exact spot, and he had a pile of bait out there. Oh, yeah. I bet it was massive. If he was there since 8 o'clock in the morning, he probably fished till 2 a.m. He was out there all day. Yeah, he'd been baiting it up all day. And he was doing really well. He was just raking them in, you know, steady catching them. Other oh, yeah. people were catching one or here and one there, but he had been doing it all day, all day. So there is an advantage when you go to these lakes. If you have, if you can put the bait in a specific spot and keep that consistently throughout the day, what I'm telling you is if you can do that, if, if the tournament or the fishing period is from, say, you know, for six or eight hours and you can fish the same spot for four to six hours, 
then toward the end of that run, sometimes you can get lucky. Oh, yeah. You, you can pull the fish in there a little bit. It's also, I will say, on a set of carp reels, throwing out pack bait, it is easier said than done. It is. It to is. get it in exactly that same spot every time. Yep. Oh, my goodness. It is nearly impossible. It is. It takes practice. And oh, that's yeah. why I say some of these guys are professionals because they some of these guys can bait it perfectly and toss it exactly almost every time. They're so consistent, it's almost impossible to yes. fail. Yes. Now, my uncle had taught me to carp fish at these lakes when I was younger. And he was much better in the beginning anyway at putting the bait where he wanted to. Yeah. He was good at it. A lot of times he would help me get my bait where I wanted it to be. But we we would have the same bait, baiting up out of the same bucket. My bait would fall all over the place. His bait, perfect ball, poop. He put it right in that spot. It would oh, stay yeah. on the hook, you know. He was a master at it, you know. And as the years went on, I got better at it. And so people that are first starting out, it's a lot easier to fish those lakes with baits that pack better. Oh, yeah. Than some of the ones that are a little harder to get to pack because there's a there's definitely a knack to it. There really is. It takes a lot of practice. Yes. And I think... I, will, I think it's grits. There's a, this really good grits recipe I'm sure we have somewhere. Oh, yeah. That yeah. packed on like a rock. I mean, you couldn't throw it off if you wanted to, but then it breaks up perfectly in the water. Yeah. What it is is you take a family-sized box of grits, okay, and then you take one can of cream corn, and you put any kind of flavoring in it, like you can put, you know, and it can use, we can use a pack of Kool-Aid or whatever. You mix it up, and that will pretty much, you let it sit up for about 10 minutes, will pack perfectly. Oh, yeah. For about six hours. And it's like a ball of hard snow. Oh, yeah. But it'll break apart within two minutes. Yep. It's it's perfect. Oh, and, yeah. And it's a very effective bait. Now, a rice, we call it, a, I mean, a grits. A grits base recipe, which that would be a grits base. Right, yeah. Is a very good hot weather bait. Right, yeah. I mean, you can use it anytime, but it is a hot weather bait. And some carp, like the buffalo we talked about earlier, you know, a lot of times now there are certain baits you can use year round that are really good yeah. ba- bases, and one of those is oats and soybean. Oh yeah, yeah. Now soybean, you know, buffalo loves soybean. They really do. Now on the bait mix website in the blog section, sometimes we will post recipes of the different baits that we try, and over time at baitmix.com we will also. Since this podcast is pretty new, got to bear with us while we're getting started here. But what I plan to do in the spring here, as we travel around and fish at these lakes, and we're going to try all kinds of lakes all over the eastern United States and some even further away. But what we're going to do is when we go out, we're going to film the fishing that we do. um, And we'll definitely spend time talking about our different fishing experiences here on the podcast. And we'll also talk about the baits we use, and we will post them in our blog as well on the website. So you can see the bait, what we used, and a lot of times we'll make a video showing you how we mixed it up exactly and how to get the best consistency and the best bait and the best presentation. We'll go through all of that at our website. And also, some of the products that are a little harder to find, we will start posting them in the bait section of the, the Shop Bazooka, which is connected to Bait Mix, which is our official store. And that way, players or players, fishermen from all over the world can go there and get the things they need. Um, so that if you, some things are really hard to find in some parts of the world. Oh, you know what's even hard to find here is if you're looking for those grits, 
buying a five pound bag of just those grits. <laughs> you can't do it. I spent so many times just buying the packets, ripping up the packets. Thirty uh, packets yeah. later, I'm pouring them all in the bucket. What he's talking about is the instant grits that you want to buy. You can buy different kinds at the grocery store, but one that we'd like to get, and I can't remember how many ounces. I want to say, is it seventy two? I can't remember, but I, I don't know. Anyway, it's a family size box of instant grits. Right. You can get the instant grits, but a lot of times it's in packets. Mm-hmm. And and that's a lot harder to deal with. You can do that, but it's, you know, it's aggravating. But when you buy these boxes of just the grits that are instant grits, you know, with this family size, you have to find them at certain places. Oh, yeah. Not everywhere has it. No. And they can be a little pricey. Oh, yeah. And you know what's tricky about that, too? It's when you look for grits, there's somehow a difference between instant grits, five-minute grits, grits, <laughs> all those different grits. They're different. They are all different, and we will be talking about all of that in our podcast and, and on the and some of our blogs and stuff on the website. We want to help everybody get the best baits possible, to have the best success possible, and we're going to spend a lot of times talking about what's working at these carp lakes. So if you, if you like traveling around to these different lakes and trying different places and different public lakes and, and knowing the right spot and the right bait and all this, you're going to learn a lot, even if you don't live around here, from the Bait Mix podcast, the videos, and the website itself. It's going to teach you a lot that maybe you didn't know about carp fishing because, you know, we, we, we're pretty good at it. We've done it for a long time, and there are a lot of other great sources of information about carp fishing on the internet as well. That'll help you. Uh, there's a ton of good videos out there. There's several people on the YouTube that I like to watch. Oh yeah. And they do a fantastic job of conveying that information. And, oh yeah. And we're going to do our part in helping along the way as well. Uh, but these pay lakes, if you love doing pay lake carp fishing, there is so much information that we covered a good bit in this podcast. There's a lot more we're going to cover down the road for sure. And we're going to talk about some of the carp lakes when we go to them around here. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of a review, what they were like, what the ownership was like. Did we think they were, you know, pretty legitimate, honest? Yeah. We're not going to trash them, but we're going to give you our honest opinion about what we thought they were all about. For sure. If we thought they were a great place or whatever, or if we thought the prices were, you know, fair and that kind of thing. Which, not that we're judging them, it's just that some people, some of the lakes are a little bit pricey. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, and some are a little more reasonable. That's, yeah, that's all we're saying. Some of them are a little bit, a little bit more to, easier to handle, especially when you when you're learning or you're just going to try it out for the first time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And 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 really, carp lake fishing, you can go if you go to certain lakes. Some of them don't allow any kind of alcohol. You can go out there. There's one, as a matter of fact, in Rutherfordton called Silvers. Mm. Now, if you go to North, you live in North Carolina or the upper parts of Rutherford County in a lake called Silvers, they have a terrific grill right there on the lake. Nice. They have multiple lakes. People fish there. You can order hot dogs, hamburgers, sit out there and have a nice day fishing, and it's pretty reasonable. That sounds it, like a cool place to hang out. Yeah, and that's not a plug for them because I go there and know them. Honestly, I don't know any of those people there. <laughs> I've fished there a time or two, but I'm just telling you from experience, it's a nice lake. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the lakes are really, really wonderful. I mean, they really yeah. are. Some of them are, I think some, some of them have great ownership, mm-hmm. but they just don't have the volume of fishermen to really spend a lot of money fixing it up. Yeah, that's true. And that's something you got to consider too. For sure. Sometimes you can't judge a book by its cover. Oh yeah. You know, you really have to look at the whole picture and, and what you're dealing with. Yeah, for sure. But it can be a lot of fun. It, you know, imagine having a little girl or a little boy taking them out to the pay lake on a fun day. 
when they're not running any kind of tournament. Just to carp fish and let them hang into a 20, 25-pound carp and catch sometimes because they're all in that spot once you get them biting, especially after they spawn. Sometimes when a carp spawns right after that, they start really feeding hard. Yeah. If you can catch them after a spawn, and usually the lake ownership can tell you if they spawned at that lake or not. Yeah. You know, if, if they're not spawning and it's after that, you can go and they'll just rip your line. And they're, they're a lot more liberal about what they'll eat. Oh, yeah. They're a lot more picky before that or during the spawn. But, and if, you're, if they're spawning at these pale lakes, you generally have to fish right off the bank within six feet. Generally, you'll catch some hogs there because they're trolling the banks. Right, yeah. And all the fishermen are aware of this. They know. Like I said, these guys know what they're doing. For sure. And so when you when they know that they're spawning and doing that kind of stuff, you'll see them, they'll have like one rod out toward the middle and one off the bank. Yeah. Because they're trying to pick up that hog that's, you know, going around the edges and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, yeah. Funny that you mentioned it. I remember one time we went fishing and we had a bunch of lines out sort of towards the middle. We had one that was like six feet off the bank. I was like, there's no way that'll catch anything, mm-hmm. but it's on like the edge of the, the lake. So you're like, oh, maybe. But then that was the only one. That caught a fish. Right. <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes. It's oh, it. yeah. You just never know. You never know, really. There's so many different things that go into catching carp, and we're going to have a heck of a time talking about them all. Oh, yeah. And and what's even going to be even cooler is some of these lakes that people love to fish that do live around here. I mean, we're going to give you the inside scoop about what to use and where we set, and maybe we can, you know, make it a little even when you've got some of these house fishermen, maybe they won't have quite the advantage they used to have. Maybe. They might go, wait a minute, why does everybody have this information? But, <laughs> and I will make sure to go over with you guys. I think I did post a blog on bait mix. I'm not sure, but I think I did. If not, I will, about what I used to catch fish at Foster's. And I'll put that exact recipe up there. And it works today. Uh, we had used it several times. It's There's two different recipes I use at Foster's. One of them primarily for buffalo. Right, yeah. And the other is pretty much a general. It's it's not great in cooler parts of the year as much, but generally throughout most of the warmer part of the year, it does terrific. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially sometimes fosters will run. They pay, uh, like they'll pay, you know, 30 spots or whatever. That just means that top 30 weighed fish um, win a certain amount of money. Oh, and yeah. and if they do something like that, that's you know that's that's a pretty good time to go with one of these recipes because you you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to catch something. Yeah. Now I can't promise you. Yeah, of course. But you, I think the odds are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing is you can do everything you want to improve your odds, but there's really no guarantee you'll no. ever catch a fish. No, no. I mean that's why they call it fishing. Yeah, not catching. Right, but we'll try to help you as much as we can. For sure. And uh, we'll talk about where we sit and how we did. And if we had a bad day and didn't catch anything, <laughs> I'll tell you what not to use. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll say do I got not. a lot of those recipes. Yeah, I'll say don't use this. That's for sure. But also, just to keep in mind, uh, if you come to the Bait Mix website and you would like to submit a recipe to be posted in one of our blogs so that other fishermen can use it, uh, please go register on the forum on Bait Mix and make a post. Now, I think I'll have to... I have to authorize the first two posts you make, and then after that, you can pretty much post what you want. But there is a bait mix recipe submission section in the the form. And if you will submit to us a a bait mix recipe, and just keep in mind, you cannot copyright a recipe. 
But if you put your name in there stuff, we'll give you credit. For sure, yeah. Yeah, because we certainly want you to have credit for any recipe that you submit, but it helps all the other people out there to, to um, the more recipes we gather. Uh, we have, look, I'll go ahead and tell you, I, you know, when I originally made bakemix.com uh, years ago, it was intended before I started doing the other things. Originally, it was just a bait database. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got, you know, a few hundred bait recipes that I have to put up and I have to type these individually. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah. You know, sure. so you'll see me putting some up more, but it'll take a few months to get all those up there, but I will. And, and if some of the people that come to the website will, you know, sign up for the form and, and submit their own recipes and we add those to the database at some point and we'll mark the ones that we think do better at certain places that we know of. Right. Yeah. If you have a lake that you found where you're from that you think it does well at, if you'll let me know in the post in the form, I will put that information in the blog as well. Yeah, for sure. And that way other people can use it and they can enjoy catching a lot of fish and having a good time. I mean, it doesn't have to be a pay lake. It can be any lake. Oh, yeah. It can be a river. If you have ideas about presentation that you use, like, for example, fishing in the river is not always easy. It is not. That's like one of the hardest things you can do fishing for carp is oh, in the yeah. river because of the current. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, some people use a river rig type deal. But if you if there's anything that you tips or things, look, there, it, it is, you know, we really would enjoy having all of your input and information and recommendations. And it helps everybody learn and get better and have a good time. For sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll be back soon, and we'll talk about something else. We'll catch you soon.